Welcome to Starfleet Boy, where we have a casual and informal discussion about our beloved series, Star Trek. back on another exciting episode of Starfleet Boy, where we have a casual and informal discussion about Star Trek, focused right now on Star Trek The Next Generation, and today's episode is the episode that we watched and that we're going to casually and informally discuss is Half a Life. Uh, <laughs> I like how you reinforce that. We watched it, and we're going to discuss it. We really, really watched it. We I've did. actually watched it. I've actually watched it four times in in, in the span of like a couple of uh, oh, couple gosh. of months because I I like to be ahead on my rewatching. Right, so I'm a little further. Actually, as of this episode, I am no longer ahead because it's been that long since I've been. Um, since I've been trying to record this episode. Wow. <laughs> I've actually been waiting for Gary, but Gary is very busy, so uh, he would have loved right. to have been on this episode. Because it has actually, Troy's I'm, mother, that's right. Right, and it's, it's uh, Loxana is his favorite character, if I'm not mistaken, or or he has a crush on her or some kind of romantic It's a, it's a favorite character of his, yes, that is yes, true. Yes, exactly. And I have to say that uh, while she's not, like, a favorite character, I definitely have a sentimental bone in my body for uh, Major uh, Barrett Roddenberry. So, of course, I, you know, on a personal kind of level, there's that. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But I don't don't know that she's, like, one of my favorite characters, unfortunately. Um, However, (laughs) she is up there. I mean, she comes, like, she comes pretty close to, like, the... I think she's in the tier two characters like just the next phase and and how many characters inhabit each tier i think that like tier one is is reserved for the captains basically and the only the ones i like mind you so like Lorca's not in tier one but uh i would say tier one is reserved for captain kirk captain spock captain mccoy Right, they're all captains at the end, aren't they? Like no, captains. I don't think McCoy's a captain. <laughs> Wait, is he a commander? Darn it! There should be a Google search for what are the final ranks. It, well, in my mind, they should all be captains. I mean, certainly Captain Scott, right? We have Captain Scott. Uh huh. You have Captain Picard, of course. Sulu. Captain Sulu, Captain Cisco. Who else? Who are our captains? I guess that's it. I I guess there are tier two captains because Captain Harriman. Uh, wouldn't be in a tier in the tier one Ooh. slot. Would Ouch! I don't. <laughs> I don't know. Ouch. But I, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I'd have to. What really, about uh, Kind of was Worf. Worf never made it he, captain on this. You know, he's just a he commander, did. lieutenant Everyone, commander, right? I, doesn't everyone just become a captain? Like, as like all these guys, like, don't they just become captains? <laughs> like, I mean, he captains the like, what you call it. Uh, what are the final <laughs> ranks of our original Star Trek crew? All right, Enterprise crew. Is what I should have typed in, but let's see if Google knows. Well, McCoy makes it to Admiral. We know that. 
Admiral McCoy. That's right. So that, there you go. And Uhura surely made it to Admiral. You can't tell me that, like, they don't. Actually, that's the thing. They all make it to Admirals. That's what happens. Right. Does Kirk go back to being an Admiral again? Do you think he would have gone? No, he dies a captain. No, he's, he dies a captain. He? That's right. Right. We've been knowing. No, he dies a captain. In the novels, Bill Shatner wrote a novel where he something happens several, with the board. as a matter of fact. I know, this is true. And I don't know if I have the right to call him Bill Shatner, so I apologize, Mr. Shatner. I, I didn't mean to overstep my boundaries there. But William Shatner, did, yeah. I think William Shatner is his official designation. Uh, fans are allowed to call him that. <laughs> William Shatner writes several novels in which uh, that, that are post-Nexus, if I'm not mistaken, post-Generations. Yep. And Kirk comes back to life. Right. And somehow, if I'm not, I might have this wrong, but Spock um senses at the end of those books that he's actually not dead that like the something happens where the Borg assimilate him and then he and Picard have well, to make a choice yeah, there's, between like destroying like the Borg central node and writes, so Kirk does Shatner wrote yeah. a novel that's kind of like the last hurrah for Kirk before generations oh. and then he made a sequel to that one called The Return and then that's where the board come in. But, um, yeah, I, I used to have it. I don't know where I... It's probably in storage. But, yeah, Shatner made a whole, like... And then he, he did a whole trilogy. Yeah, Shatner made a whole... He made a killing off of these books that other people helped him write. Um, I'm sure he... I'm sure he... Uh, I'm sure he did. And, and, uh, and I know that... He put that money to good causes like equestrian causes and oh, I'm sure. And, uh, and uh, <laughs> you know, he likes to he likes to write. He's a horses. writer, um, so which I will, yeah. you know, it's yeah. not a bad thing to like to do. Yeah, uh, it is. All right. So, <laughs> shall we give our final rating? Is William Shatner? <laughs> wait, is William Shatner the Loxana Troy of Star Trek? Like a real life Star Trek? Is he like riding around on horses? Does he have a valet? Is someone tweeting for him? <laughs> That's a bizarre question, isn't it? Yeah, right, it's a let's really get, bizarre question. I don't think I don't want to know your rating yet because I have a, I have a, for this particular episode I think that I know where you stand on it. I have a feeling I know where you stand, and I'm going to try to convince you otherwise because I think that I might stand on the opposite uh, side of it. Um, but you, who knows? You may convince me otherwise. So you know that's how that's how it goes. But no, no, uh, no preemptive rating <laughs> rating for this episode. Do you agree, Doctor? Oh no! It's not like we're reaching the end of our conversation. We're talking about <laughs> Shatner, about other things. I'm like, we didn't even start. Hey, since when? Since when did you care about the uh, order that we go in? Let's let's keep it casual and informal, Doctor. Come no, on. Like, do we have to talk do about you, the episode? Yeah, go ahead. No, we, just a little. Do you want to give the summary or should I? <laughs> oh, I'll give a summary, but it'll be like two seconds long. All right, let's let's go. You give the summary first, and if I don't like it, I'll I'll give a slightly longer version. But I'll pay, I'll base myself based on your your summary. <laughs> okay, Troy's mother's on the Enterprise. Uh, the guy from MASH shows up on the Enterprise. He's and, trying to save the son. Of, he's trying to save the <laughs> the the son that uh, his planet is in orbit around. And uh, Troy's mother is, of course, once again in lust or love or whatever you want to call it. And she fixes fixates on this guy. And he's a bit of a, you know, he's kind of cold, but then he warms up to her. And they do the experiment. The experiment doesn't work. Uh, 
and he sees. Oh, and then Troy's mother learns that uh, his planet follows uh, the edict of Logan's Run, where you know once you're a Red Six, you're out. <laughs> you got to die. And she's very upset by that. And she's all like, "We got to stop this." And Picard's like, uh, "Prime Directive, hello." And she's upset. And then he sees kind of her point about, yeah, you can be vital after the age of 60. Uh, because he sees that there's something about the experiment that if he just works on it harder, it may give his people, his planet, a second chance. Uh, and he tries to buck the system, but a pre-Ensign Row, Ensign Row shows up. I know. With an interesting haircut. too. And says, <laughs> Dad, come home and die. And, and she looks at uh, Luxana Troy the whole time with this, like, right, yeah, like bitch, you, I'm his daughter. Like, bitch, <laughs> trying to take away my dad away from his, uh, from his uh, family plot. And... Well, he ends up, do, you know, he ends up, you know, uh, she's basically, you know, we're going to disown you. Uh, you're disappointing the family. You disappoint me. I don't understand what you're trying to do. This is our traditions and blah, blah, blah. And it, he takes it to heart and he goes back to die. And Loxana Troy actually goes with him. And uh, she kind of comes to an understanding about, uh, you know, other planets have other traditions. And does the planet survive? Who knows? Maybe uh, some future future Star Trek show, which chooses to be in the future, will show us. We we can actually have uh, Michelle Forbes reprise her role if we if we're lucky. Oh, she if may we're be lucky. Clo- she may be close to the age of. Uh, she had great hair in this episode, I have to say. Yeah, she <laughs> well, she looks stunning in this episode. I think she she's a stunning, stunning. Uh, stunning person. Um, but also, I was really surprised to see her because I had completely forgotten uh, that she was in it uh, until like the couple times ago that I saw it. And then I, when I was rewatching it today, I was like, "Oh, I gotta, I gotta see if uh, the doctors." I was surprised. I didn't remember. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, I, I think it shows that maybe the show kind of, you know, with with certain actors that it wants they'll kind of give them a te- you know they'll, they'll come on they'll do a guest shot and they're like you know what we really like that person let's bring them back yeah. as somebody else and I think uh, the actress who played um, uh, tr- uh, Worf's um, love interest Susie Plaxon Susie Plaxon was one of them mm-hmm. you know she did Salar and then she came back as as uh, I forget B- Bilar is it Forget what the name of the Klingon is. It's uh, we're terrible. I don't know. Sela. Sela. No, Uh, Sela is. uh, She's also the. She's also the Vulcan. What's her name? No, Salar is the Vulcan. (laughs) Hold on, let's look up Susie Flaxen on IMDb. But before we get too distracted, casual trekkies. um, no, we really are. Before we get too distracted and too far into the show, I just want to say that, like, uh, A, the summary you gave was actually quite... It's over, right? <laughs> it is. <laughs> Even though... Wait, did you tell the ending what happens? Like, Loxano goes down Yeah, to the she goes down to the planet. Yeah. Oh, you did. Okay, yeah. my memory's failing that quickly. Uh, <laughs> it's like, oh, no, Captain. <laughs> the isolinear chips are in the wrong circuits. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 
But before we go any further, I just want to say that recently uh, David Ogden Stiers, like very recently, passed away. And so here is a Starfleet Boy toast. I'm sorry I didn't uh, warn you in advance, but you don't drink anyways, Doctor. I have an empty glass here. <laughs> so here's a Starfleet Boy toast to David Ogden Stiers. And um, I should was it recent? Yeah, it was like weeks ago. Like not even. It was no this way. Year. Yeah, it was like. Um, and the official Star Trek Twitter account uh, honored him. That's actually how I found out about it was through through that. Um, uh, and I I had completely forgotten uh, that he was on Mash because I knew him and uh, started to learn to enjoy uh, him as an actor uh, because of Beauty and the Beast. He played the uh, he was the voice uh, for Cogsworth, the clock. Um, and oh, he might, yeah. okay. I so. had no idea. Yeah, he's he's quite a prolific uh, actor, and one of his most distinguishing features is that voice. He's got uh, a great voice. He's got a great voice. So, um, yeah, he's, he's also uh, he was a frequent narrator on the American Experience on PBS. What is that? The American Experience? Oh. Yeah, that's that PBS series. The American. I'm sure you've. He was one of those you know voices that you would hear all the time. Well, he did. He did voice work, and he was also in Pocahontas. He was the uh, governor. That's Rexton. right. He was. Yep. You're right. Mm-hmm. You're See, absolutely he's done a lot of, right. Yeah, and then he yeah. he did a lot with Disney. I think Disney really uh, really enjoyed his work. But he was also in Stargate Atlantis, another sci-fi well, show. I'll um, tell you, I I actually had the the pleasure of 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 seeing him in person. What? Uh, I he was at Disney. Uh, nice at Epcot Center during the holidays. You know they have like a sort of a they they kind of have a Christmas thing where they read uh, uh, Christmas related readings during a musical. It's kind of like a musical Christmas celebration, and they have certain celebrities come. And, and they'll even read passages from the Bible and everything. And when we were there, uh, it was David Ogden Steers who read. Oh, wow. um, I don't know if we have any. I'm, I'd be curious to know if I have any, any photos of that. But he was the guy. And I was like, oh, my God, it's the guy from well, MASH. Well, I pulled up the official, um, his, like, IMDB thing. And, well, he's got a, an immense... It's a, yeah, it's like you keep keep going, but he starts out his first role in 1971 was in THX 1138 as the voice as the announcer. No so, way. Yeah, so that's his first listed acting role. So uh, again, going back to a voice performance, which is pretty amazing, right? Uh, then he was on Kojak and a bunch of other things, but his Disney career is huge. I mean, he was in Lilo and Stitch. He was in uh, Hunchback of Notre Dame. Like he's got parts. <laughs> he occupies much of uh, our uh, our young, uh, you know, younger days. I would say. Yeah, uh, and not to mention Mash, of course. <laughs> well, I mean, uh, for me, I mean, I you know Mash, which which is one of the I think of still I think even today is considered one of the great television series. It was in mm-hmm. Mash, and and growing up, he was also the frequent uh, foil for uh, Perry Mason in the Perry Mason movies, the eighties ones. Oh wow, he was always the guy that would face off. Against Perry Mason, he pay, he played a very good. Um, 
uh, I don't want to say a bad guy, uh, but yeah, yeah, I guess bad guy, you know, like, you know, somebody is antagonist. Let's say he played a very good antagonist. He could, he could be, you know, very stuffy and upper, you know, upper class kind of like, no, I'm much better than you are. Uh, especially with that voice, an air of, uh, you know, I, an air of sophistication, if sophistication, you, will. Tricky, you know, right. Yeah. It's a tricky place to be Urbane. because you mentioned in your in your summary, he comes across at first as being really cold kind of and like uh-huh. you know, he plays like this um, kind of like a classic, uh, you know, stereotypical scientist who's obsessed with his work. And and then he meets Luxana Troy. And I have to say that, like, I know that um, I know that we have a lot of kind of variances between us uh, with Majel Rodden. Uh, Roddenberry or Barrett Roddenberry's uh, portrayal of Loxana because I know she's a really good actress. I mean, her other roles that she's played, but there's something about Loxana that just kind of like gets at your gut <laughs> a little bit. She's either really annoying or, you know, and obviously that's part of the character, but I have to say that this was the first time, and I remember this when I was young and watching this episode, but I appreciate it so much more now that I'm turning 40 in, <laughs> in less than a month. <laughs> oh my. But she conveys something really honest in this uh, in this performance, and I, I really loved it. I thought she was uh, a great, and I, I have to say that I do personally think it's because she was acting opposite you know David Ogden Styers I mean like you know actors talk all the time about how their scene partners which is the 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 current uh, f- um, fashion of, of referring to your uh, to your counterpart <laughs> your, so your scene partner kind of helps you uh, with your own performance and I think that's really great that that people are acknowledging that like it's a symbiotic thing when you're performing in a in a production it's about everyone uh but i i definitely recognize something different in um uh the performance the the portrayal even of loxana there was like something new and different like she really turned down the um whimsiness the whimsical aspects of loxana towards the towards the middle and and even at the end of the episode and i don't and like normally i would have said like you know uh how you know like okay you could do that but like you know, is it really true to the character? And here it makes 100% sense. And it kind of, uh, for me, gives this new layer to this character where I think, you know, all that whimsy and all that, like, foolishness that she uh, likes to uh, partake in as a character, you know, the character itself, as Loxana, it's all an act in a sense. It's like her guard, if you will, to hide this real person who we got a glimpse of today, who Diana know- knows, of course, it's her mother, but who the rest of us haven't been as privy to see until this episode so that was something that stood out for me in this episode what do you what do you think you, about you that? nailed it perfectly you nailed it perfectly <laughs> and, and wow. I, I agree with you 100 percent um you know the this is the episode that uh pushes the character from being a caricature to being a real uh you know character a real person that you can understand and uh, without this episode, I think uh, Troy's mother just remains uh, uh, just, you know, uh, a, the butt of a joke, you know. Right. Um, she's just uh, one of those characters that shows up just for, for the funny. And, and uh, there's, it's kind of sad there were, like, instances in the, the writing I thought was really interesting because, like, it really played with my emotions in many ways because there are a lot of, like, little snide comments made about her throughout the episode 
by everyone, like except Riker, which is why he's the Amzadi yeah. because he really loves it's the mother-in-law. He he's the, yeah, it's the it's mother-in-law. He's got to watch but out. Jordy, Jordy says like when uh, you know when the sky beams aboard, uh, uh, Doctor Timison is his name, the character um, that David Ogden Stars plays. She immediately pounces on him. In this, like, very, like, aggressive and... Oh, it's O'Brien who you're talking about, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, but Jordy's the oh, one Oh, Jordy's says, there. That's true. He is there. Yeah, and Jordy's the one that says something to the... To the to to along O'Brien. the lines of, like... Yeah. Uh, yeah, and he says something along the lines of, like, uh, <laughs> well, she, he's really in for it, you know? <laughs> like, right. Like, and then later like on, <laughs> uh, when Troy's mother introduces Mr. Mott, and she says something like, oh, he doesn't speak much, and Jordy's like... How could he? You know, like saying that she doesn't let anybody talk. And then Data's silent, but I have to say, uh, Brad Spiner's facial expressions uh, throughout the episode are just priceless. Whenever he's like, kind of like, whenever Jordy or someone makes these comments, Data genuinely looks like confused. Like, should should I be should I be saying something about this or like, or is this one of those moments where they're gonna say, "Shut up, Data." Shut up, Data. Uh, <laughs> just shut up, Data. Uh, Picard does it in this episode, and even Troy. Um, again, another thing about this crew being so seasoned, this troop of actors, I should say, being so seasoned by this point, there's just like these little moments that like enrich the episodes. And I think that's this is where Star Trek starts to get like in in some of these episodes, I think, where the performers are allowed to kind of show off <laughs> a little bit. Uh, Star Trek can get really interesting because the scene on the bridge, uh, which is kind of funny where she's like calling Worf Mr. Wolf or Wolf. And then, um, you know, he's like, don't touch that. That's the torpedo launcher button or whatever, you know. And then Troy comes uh, comes on the bridge with Riker and she uh, and uh, Loxana immediately goes for David. Ogden Stires character Dr. Timison and you know again gives him her full attention and she you know and then when she walks away you could tell you know Deanna's like trying to apologize but he's enamored of her he's like your mother is an extraordinary woman you know like in that deep beautiful Mm -hmm. voice you know and she's just at at once she's like oh this guy's genuine like he really likes my mom but then she goes from that that like happiness to like concern in in like a beat like it's just so perfect and i'm like oh my god this is like where you know you really get the 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 idea that these people do love her despite herself but they actually know that her character's a little you know a little over the top so which which is a really interesting thing and i think that's like again why this is probably i'm gonna i'm gonna go so far out on a limb as to say this this is the quintessential loxana troy episode this would be the one that like i would show Someone, I'd skip all the other ones and I'd go to this one for next generation. I don't remember what comes ahead. I don't know if it gets even deeper than I this. I would. I would also include the one where it turns out she had a, a child before. Trial. Oh, see, I don't remember that one, so I'm excited. I'm going to get. I, I'm gonna get I, to that I think one again. that one I know was what you're another, talking about, but I just don't remember yeah. the details. That's right. That's right. And then she has another great series episode on DS9, which we've already. Uh, oh, with Odo. With Odo, which we've already talked about on Drunk Space Nine. So right. <laughs> that'll be interesting. I think we were really obsessed with the uh, liquid, the different states of Odo uh, in our drunken state. So yeah, <laughs> that one. I think this episode's better. I think that one. I don't know. I've always had issues with that one. But uh, no, I, I, th- I, think, I think she did a really good job. In this episode, and I give I give her credit, the actress, 
um, Jill Barrett, who, um, you know, maybe didn't have the career she could have had because of being married to Gene Roddenberry. Uh, you know, maybe being married to Gene Roddenberry took her in other directions. Um, of course, David Ogden Steers, what can I say? I mean, the guy, is, uh, he was a class act. A legend. Um, and kudos to Next Generation for showing an older couple. Of course, that was the whole point of the episode. But well, yeah, showing an older couple, you know, in love and and and, and kissing and everything, which you know, um, I, I think. I mean, I'll, I'll take a shot at Star Wars right now. <laughs> you know, I still say Force Awakens. One of the things that disappointed me the most is you know Han and Leia, the great love story uh, of Star Wars, and. You, 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 they, they give each other like these little tepid hugs. I'm like, that doesn't make any sense. Uh, and I think it's because it's, there it is sort of like old. people are like, ew, <laughs> that they're old and they shouldn't do things like that. And I yet don't think here we, we have, you know, I mean, let's face it. I think, I, I don't think this, it's the reason at all. I think, unfortunately, and fortunately, uh, it's just the way it is, but I think that too many, uh, too many uh, writers out there have been plagued with uh, with uh, <laughs> divorce, and uh, somehow that that you know that made sense, I guess, to the writers for uh, to include that kind of a relationship for Han and Leia. I personally would have loved their ending to be a fairy tale uh, type of ending. Uh, <laughs> also, if we're gonna go there and talk about it for a second, but you know, who's to argue? It's not. It's I not. Mean, gonna I go can't argue with fan fiction. <laughs> You know, I know Star Wars ended with the trend of the Jedi. We have other fan fiction now, but whatever. Uh, back to next generation. This is not going to go the way you think. This is not going to go the way you think. Not at all. No. I think you'll be surprised by my rating, sir. Oh um, wow. Okay. Okay. But um, uh, really, yeah. but going back to but you bring up an excellent point as always. Um, you know the treatment of older couples, but uh, also of aging, and I think I think that mm-hmm. like. Um, it's okay so these are things that didn't kind of reveal themselves to me it took me like a long time i would say like when i originally watched this episode as a kid i have to say i was probably very dismissive of it, of it for the reason that i was like 13 or 14 when i when i saw this and it was like there's nothing interesting about aging uh aging people <laughs> at that at that age cuz you're not aging that fast like you're you're in a different uh i don't know it's just a different idea right but I do remember uh, what I was really fascinated by was because uh, at an at an early age I found out that the sun is has an expiration date. Like it's just like oh you, when you find out like oh wait you know oh, that yeah. little ball that ball of fire in the sky right now we're in this like Goldilocks like we're in its like you know best time it's like a party up there but soon <laughs> you know in a, in a billion years mm-hmm. soon uh, conditions are going to change and and things like that and. Um, and I remember being really fascinated by, by the science part of this episode where they were actually using some kind of technology to reignite. The, so uh, you touched on this in the summary, of course, where uh, the planet that da- David Ogden stars is from. And I wrote it down. It's called... Um, I think it's called Kalon? Uh, Kalon, yeah. The, K- the Kalon, Kalon 2 or something? World. What's that? Is it Kalon 2 or something? Kalon 2, that's right. It's interesting. That's so good because... It's the second star 
from the sun, right? Kalon two, which shows you just how. Oh, all right. Like, Second planet from the yeah, right, right, right. Where, which is like not the sweet really spot. In the, well, no, it's not in the habitable zone unless your sun is a dimmer sun than ours, like mm-hmm. which gives you an idea of like what the state of this their their star is, and it's right. neat. I wish we'd explored the. I love the episode the way it is, but I do wish we had explored this and maybe we, you know, maybe we can visit the Kalon uh, society somehow again. But it's an interesting society because uh, they're a society that at some point realized their son is dying and had to deal with this. And now their whole society is centered around this idea of like efficient death. Like, you know, it's like uh, at some point they, and David Ogden Cyrus kind of, you know, illustrates it in that, in that very romantic scene between he and um and Loxana which you know for sure they were you know very intimate <laughs> it's like yeah. they start making out commercial break we know what happens uh post commercial break they're just like sprawled in in like leisure clothing and so <laughs> they, they have a very interesting conversation and he says that like his civilization couldn't stand the suffering of the elderly that they couldn't take the idea of uh, the elderly on his planet being infirm, and so they decided that a good age to stop life would be 60. So for, like, thousands of years, at, at the age of 60, perhaps thousands, I don't know how many, they don't actually say, if I if I recall in the episode, but for a long time now, uh, they, they that's it, you're 60, you, you die, and you have, mm-hmm. a, like, a wonderful party, and then, and then you're gone. Uh, and this idea is abhorrent to, uh, to Loxana Troy, um, and she's outraged by it, and she tr- and she convinces him, you know, for a moment to to like to fight against it. But what I what I wanted to where I was going with this is what I wanted to ask you is like, what do you think about the rest of the crew's reaction to this? Because what I found interesting was like Loxana, who doesn't serve in Starfleet, who is a, a citizen of the Federation, uh, is totally outraged. But every single member of the crew was kind of just like nonchalant about it. And they were just like, well, that's his custom. And they were like very that no one else seemed as well, outraged as she was. And I wondered what you thought about that. And, and well, if you had I have to be honest, the, I think or remember, this is not a, a this is this is a an episode where the rest of the crew is pretty much. At arms, you know, they're not really involved much. We we get mostly Jordy, and you know he's in the episode just for mostly for techno babble. Uh, we have we even have very little data. But um, everyone's in it. Doctor Doctor Crusher's in it. But, in one, you know, in the, but in the they're only to deliver like, like the, it, they're not really like a one line. Yeah, you're right. You're yeah, right. they're not really dealing with the story itself. It's really just Troy. And she's only and Picard though. Picard does say and Picard. Uh, Luxana, no matter what my personal feelings about this, are. correct. <laughs> like, he gives the standard line. Like the standard line, yeah. And and uh, and Troy, but Troy, and it's really just Troy and Picard to do any any of that kind of story uh, of, of you know uh, working in the story. But everybody else is kind of just in the background. Um, and we really don't know what they think. I mean, uh, certainly Cru- Dr. Crusher has always been someone who's been very vocal about things that the Prime Directive would be like, no, leave it alone. And uh, we know Riker is very much in favor of the rule of law, and so is Worf. Uh, Worf, of course, you know, even within his own society, they have very specific 
rituals related to death. So he might very much respect and and admire it. Uh, and then Jordy is, uh, I think Jordy, you know, has a big heart, and he'd probably be like, "Well, I don't understand that, but um, but we just we just don't know." Yeah, yeah. We don't know. And the, the story that's focuses really good, That's on, a really good point, though. I would say that, like, you know, uh, making those assumptions that you just did are very fair. And I think that, like, that does answer that question for me uh, in a way. Because I was kind of, like, wondering about it, you know. It's like, what are they thinking about? Well, we didn't have what typically I think would happen in, this, in an, uh, a standard episode. And we didn't. Is we didn't have sort of the, uh, the data wonder moment. <laughs> you know, Data is the one who would come in and say, Jordy, why is it that humans are whatever, whatever? And we didn't have it. Um, the episode decided not to to have that where episode. You, I mean, to have that stand, moment. Where do you stand on this kind of issue? Because I do think that there is uh, some, even though these are very extremist kind of uh, points of view that are presented in this episode, I do believe that to some degree uh, as a nation and beyond, as a country, as a world, sorry, not as a country, but as a, as a world, every nation, this is what I meant to say, kind of has their own way of dealing uh, with palliative care, with death, with the age that you should retire. And, you know, this episode kind of, like, touches on something interesting because, you know, 60 is the age of death, but 62, 65, those are the ages of, that people consider that, hey, you should retire at this point. At this point. Mm-hmm. Like, at 65, you know, maybe you shouldn't be working <laughs> Anymore, we kind of say right. this to our, to our, and we look forward to that as being the age of retirement. So, what do you think? Like, thank goodness we're not. That's not the age that you die. <laughs> but what do you think? About, not anymore. No. <laughs> not anymore. Yeah. Well, who knows? Some people. Some as, people uh, have been general life expectancy yeah. has risen. Um, well, is a little longer. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I I think the episode makes a good point when she says. She basically makes the case that, you know, she's telling this guy, okay, fine, you guys say it's at 60, but look at you at 60. You know, you're perfect. You know, somebody else may not be so perfect at 85 or at 65 or whatever. I I, I think we cannot have a one-size-fits-all. I mean, it's just that's not, Yeah, that's just the, the way things are. You're right. I've seen people... At, um, I've seen people in, in their nineties. I doubt she'll ever see this, but Sookie Williams is a person that I know, and she would be totally fine with me mentioning her full name and her occupation, which is a lawyer, by the way, uh, was still practicing at the age of 92 when I would help her with her computer uh, uh, issues way back in the day. And I hope, I guess now she'd be like about 100, and I hope she's still uh, still uh, practicing law because she was a real inspiration to me. And she also ballroom danced at this age, and I just couldn't... She had to show me her actual her actual license for me to believe her. Wow. She drove a car. She did everything. But this person, Suki Williams, uh, who everyone should know, was was insane at ninety two. And I was like, man, like you know. So I, I but she I was she was still practicing, still practicing, sharp as a tack. Um, she was still know, doing what she would like to do. Yeah, and she she ha- she waited. She said she said to me. She said the one unfortunate thing is I had an opportunity to learn about computers and get into computers in my in my 
fifties, I think she said, right? Mm. And I and I said to my, she said I was stubborn. I said I'm never gonna need need that infernal machine, but unfortunately, uh, a, a system that she couldn't access any other way that relied her, but <laughs> that relied on computers. So, so at the age of like eighty six or something, she went, she went and and uh, started learning about computers. But unfortunately, with all her prowess, that was one things she couldn't tackle on her own so she she adopted me as her uh as her computer guru and so <laughs> once a week i helped Siki williams organize her files and uh you know all these other things that she needed uh she basically needed a computer operator <laughs> That's <laughs> right. what she needed, and so, so like I was in the her old computer, days. Yes, in the old days, exactly. So I was her computer operator, and uh, but I have to say that the times that I, unfortunately, like life took me in other directions, and I had to hand that work off to someone else. Uh, but uh, but uh, but it was a, a nice time when I when I was there. <laughs> so cool. yeah, in my personal life, I've seen things like that, and it's like you're absolutely right, a hundred percent right that like it would be the waste of such a potential if you were to just, I think, expire everyone at the age of sixty because the Suki Williams would not exist in, in that society and doesn't have the opportunity to exist in that society, and she should have have the right, if you will, in my opinion to exist in, in any society but you know it's a it's a tough question because the whole society so i was like you know totally on loxana troy's uh argument and then you know uh admiral kane comes in <laughs> and like has that moment with her father and i have to admit that i was like but who am i <laughs> to like deny this society their own kind of way you know i mean it's not like it's they're not they're not uncomfortable with it. It's I who I am who, who is the person uncomfortable with it. So I think that's how humans work kind of hopefully in, in, in the most, uh, in our best times is that we respect others group, the traditions of certain groups, but that we also feel comfortable enough to express our own, um, beliefs about, you know, the way life works, if you will, on, on these fundamental levels. And I thought I saw that beautifully illustrated in this episode as well. Well, yeah, I mean, the, the, the story definitely, the episode def- doesn't really, I think the episode does a good job of showcasing both sides of the, of the dilemma, of the debate, and it, you know, it, you really don't walk away from the episode saying this side won and this side lost, because, you know, I feel that Troy's mother articulated what we believe looks like what you and I believe to be true very convincingly nonetheless you know he does go back to the planet he does fulfill his uh, his his cultural duty and you know uh, Troy's mother respects his wishes I mean she doesn't you know she her mind it didn't change she still feels that what he's doing is wrong, but she does have to respect his wishes. I mean, sometimes people we care about have traditions that we don't necessarily share, that we, you know, that's part of, of living together, is we have to just accept it and, and you know, as far as we can go. And, and she made the decision to go all the way down to the planet and, and, and participate in it. Uh, so I, I think uh, it's an episode that I think kind of 
explains Roddenberry's philosophy very well, which is you know infinite of, diversity of and uh, yeah. uh, infinite combinations or whatever. I mean, it, it, it's a very it's a very Star Trek episode, classic Trek. You know. Um, yeah, like what what would you consider like a very <laughs> yeah yeah exactly. There's a dilemma. Nobody's really. I mean, you know, there's that point where the other planet's threatening to shoot the Enterprise, which I thought that was the only part that got a little bit uh, over the top. I mean, I you know, I mean, really, these guys were going to try to destroy the Enterprise over this. I, I think that was that was a bit much, but um, but it saved itself once uh, Michelle Forbes showed up. I think her as the daughter coming in and saying, "But you, so you're not, you're not gonna uh, be next to my mom. You're, you're not going to." I know that's to, the part that it just you, and his tears. David Ogden stars. Let me tell you, and that's cries like very convincingly. Cries. Yes. it's like I was just a little like, "Oh my god!" Through your own tears, you could see his tears. <laughs> it's so true, right? Yeah, so true, so true. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah, very no, nice. Yeah, very it was it was, yeah. it was a very good episode. I have to say, um, I thought Troy's. I like that, uh-huh. I like that uh, to be you know, some of the humor in this episode actually worked really beautifully. There was a scene where uh, she uh, Loxana comes into Picard's uh, ready room to complain about this whole thing, and she kind of just you know she expects him to have known the whole thing about the society, which it's an interesting point that Picard didn't even realize this. It's like something they kind of kept secret, you know? Right. Um, But, but when like, even Data didn't know. Data was like, yeah, (laughs) like no one knew it blindsided everyone. But when, uh, when Loxana kind of outs this thing and just like says, isn't this like crazy or whatever? Uh, And she, she races, she's like, well, I'm going to put a stop to it or whatever. And this first, Counselor Troy, please, please, what does he say? Uh, he says like, uh, uh, "Counselor Troy, please report to the bridge" or something like. He's like, "Oh shit, I gotta like." <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's only one person that can stop this train, <laughs> this inferno well, over here. She, uh, she, the episode starts off with, uh, and I, I verified this on on uh, memory, memory Alpha. Alpha. It's the only episode where Troy does the opening log entry. Her personal log, that's right. And and her log entry is my mother is on the ship. On the ship. <laughs> yeah, it's like <laughs> my mother is coming aboard. Yeah, it's true. What uh what what else uh what else is in your notes there, doctor? Nothing else. Uh, oh, you oh you oh that's the cue to get the book. Unfortunately, <laughs> the, book, the book is doctor, no longer here. <laughs> What's that? There's been a TARDIS reconfiguration. And oh. I have all my Doctor Who stuff here now. So, are you getting if, excited for? Are, why do you have this reconfiguration? Oh, is there some excitement only going because on my my two nephews. Mm. Now the second nephew is also into I Doctor see. Who, and I want them I to see. have it more at hand <laughs> so they can reach it. And, I see. Uh, yeah. Someone's going to be watching Doctor Who pretty soon. I have a feeling. You're like don't don't go there. No. We're not going there. We're not, go- no. we're not going there. You have disengaged from the fandom. I have we disengaged from the fandom. I could get the book. Yes. Thank Would you, you like me to get the book? Yes. Yes. Of course. We always get the book when you're on. There he goes to uh, it, the space that uh, the doctor occupies. Looks small, but it's actually bigger on the inside. 
so so when you went back there to get the book, I just realized that your space that you're occupying is bigger on the inside. Yeah, it's a TARDIS. <laughs> By the way, um, uh, I, I'm uh, pleased to say that uh, uh, Larry Namasek is following us at Starfleet Boy on our Twitter account. So uh, that's cool. I'm getting the I'm getting the uh, the. Uh, the courage to soon ask him to come on our show. We got to devise a. We got to devise do. a good. Yeah, we got to so devise a good the book, episode. The great Larry Nemesek. The great Larry Nemesek. Yes. And uh... wow, you're so unpracticed at this, Doctor. I'm. I'm gonna <laughs> Audience, for those of you don't, that don't watch sequentially, it's been quite a while since the doctor's been on the show. Life is uh, life's been very busy for that time lord over there. This this was the gig that got Michelle Rowe the part. Michelle Forbes, the part of Ensign Rowe. Of Ensign Rowe. You know, she was a student at the Performing Arts High School in Houston. Moved to New York at sixteen to audition for a movie and wound up staying. Uh, previously, wow. she, she, yeah, she had worked on The Guiding Light, uh, which was a soap, noted soap opera at the time. Hmm. Yeah. Um, the, there's a screen that, uh, oh, what's his name in the episode? Uh... Dr. Timison. Timison. There's a screen that he looks at uh, for quite a bit. You know, the camera kind of stays on it, and it shows the number of of uh, the mash. You know, the the unit, which was a four oh seven seven. There's a composite oh. sensor analysis four oh seven seven. And that's a nod <laughs> to Mash. Nod to Mash. That's cool. Yeah. Which, by the way, we can't we can't talk about Mash without mentioning the obvious um, that also uh, um, uh, another uh, famous character, uh, Barkley, is a Mash uh, alumni. Is and he? I re- Dwight Schultz yeah. was on Mash. <laughs> You're so dumb. He was on A Team. <laughs> No, he wasn't on MASH? No, he was on A-Team. Are you sure? Yeah, I'm sure. He was on A-Team? Yes. Hold on a second. He wasn't a regular on MASH. No, but he was on it, wasn't he? But not as a regular. Not David Ogden Steers was a regular. Right, but Dwight Schultz was on MASH, though, right? I I mean, he may have been a guest star. It's possible, but not as a noted... I'm probably confusing Dwight Schultz. Are you confusing him Um, with Alan Alder? With... With Alan Alda, why would I confuse him with that? I don't know. I don't know who you. I don't know where. No one confuses. No one confuses. No one confuses Alan Alda for anyone other (laughs) than Alan Alda. For anyone else, I'm sorry. (laughs) All right, apologies, apologies. Dwight Schultz was never on Mash. That was my imagination. Yeah, completely. I was mashing. I was mashing the A team and Mash together. You were in totally. (laughs) Sorry, I didn't mean to. For that, you'll have to sing the theme tune of of Mash. Oh wait, I got a better idea. Hey Siri, play the theme song from Mash. 
Etienne Machtin, single by 4077. I don't think this is it. Oh, it is. Hey Siri, raise volume to 50%. This is our mash moment. <laughs> Now, you know who was on MASH? Hey Siri, lower volume to 20%. And was on Star Trek. The original show was, of course, Sally Kellerman. She played in the movie. She was in the film MASH. She played, um, whatever her name is, Hot Lips or whatever. Oh, okay. Which, not on the show, on the movie. So maybe that's what you're... I totally no. I'm hundred percent no. I'm confusing. I thought Dwight Schultz was on Mash for a second. It was just like okay. a, a Starfleet boy brain fart. I'm glad <laughs> was I was here I to love, correct you on that. I love Dwight Schultz. That's why he's in everything. As, as in far everything. as I'm concerned, he should have been in Ready Player One. He probably is somewhere in the background. Anyways, somewhere. <laughs> somewhere. Go on. Well, I, I think I, I think we're good. I think we can give this thing a rating. I think so. So uh, I would like you to go first, or would you like me to go first, Doctor? (laughs) (laughs) You just want to top mine, but uh, I'm surprisingly, I mean, I'll be honest, you know, we haven't really, you know, it's, like I said, I think it's a a classic uh, Star Trek episode in, in, in terms of story. It's not an episode I would go out of my way to watch. I'll say right, that. It's not something... I mean, if I catch it on TV, I'll, I may sit through it. I may not sit through it. I respect the episode a lot. It's not an episode that I, I'm like, oh, my God, I need to buy that on Blu-ray because I love watching that episode. Uh, it's not that kind of episode for me. Uh, but I do admire it and I respect it. And, and for that, I give it a... I'll give it a solid seven. Nice. That's actually way higher than I, um, I thought. Because Just it is a very go good story. It, it articulates the theme very well. But it's not, you know... And, and when I say seven, it's like borderline 6.9. It's a, it's a solid... <laughs> it's a seven. It's a seven. You gave it a seven. It's, it's a, a seven. seven. Yeah. Database Boy, whenever he... Uh, Whenever he's hired, uh, we'll we'll uh, log this as a. He's got seven a lot run. of work. <laughs> a lot of work. I know. We've uh, just a little uh, before I give my rating. <laughs> just a little Starfleet boy update. We've exceeded a hundred episodes, so we've been we've been what? broadcasting. We for can over be syndicated. Over. We can be syndicated. <laughs> can be syndicated. Oh my God! This was syndicated? Was a hundred episodes the syndication? Yes, uh, that's the magic uh, number. Wow, we're syndicated. We're just gonna say we're syndicated because that's yeah. what's happening. So, right? Uh, yay! What and was the one hundredth episode? It was. I have to go online for this because I'm such a bad host and also a bad CEO of Starfleet Boy <laughs> Incorporated or whatever we call ourselves. So let's take a look here. I will tell you right now that our hundredth episode. Wouldn't it be the one hundredth episode of? Well, it wouldn't necessarily be. No, we don't because, because we, we do, do doubles things. as singles, right? And we also do the movie reviews, and we also spoke about Discovery. So we got a little boost. Oh, you're counting the Discovery episodes. It's Starfleet Boy. This is the hundred oh. something episode of Starfleet Boy. 
It's exempt from any. It's you can't. Oh, then we 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 surpassed it long ago. Then no, we're at. Let's see. I'll tell you what we're at. Because the next generation is already past its hundredth, isn't it? No. 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 Or does that happen in season five? I think it happens in season five. Season five, I guess. Hold on. There's a way to find out. Wow. What episode? It's always when I publish them. Here we go. That it tells you. <laughs> now we've got that stuck in our heads. <laughs> All right, we won't waste the audience's time for too much longer uh, with me trying to find out exactly what episode we're on here. But according to my... Gosh darn it. How do I do this? Can you tell I'm really bad with this uh, technology on mm-hmm. YouTube? It's not It's not the best thing. Well, okay, I'll have to admit, I'm on the beta program for their creator studio thing. So it's changing, like, every week. So there's a lot to catch up on, and I haven't, uh, I haven't been uh, very good at catching up on it. Um, let's see here. So as far as videos published are concerned, we have... Come on. Why aren't you giving me this information? While you're looking for that, I'll mention that this episode was nominated for an Emmy for Outstanding Achievement in Music Composition for a Series. And that uh, that nomination was for Dennis McCarthy. Of course. Of course, of course. Good old Dennis McCarthy. He is great. Mm Mm-hmm, indeed. What other facts can you regale us with? And I still haven't given you my rating, by the way. No, you have not. Um, I don't know. There's not many, not many more that are very interesting to, so, to share. So just to here, you'll have to do some rough math here, Doctor. Ready? Okay. So just in our uh, Star Trek Next Generation discussions, we've reached 92 episodes. So there's 92 TNG discussions. There's 15 Star Trek Discovery discussions, so that's already 107. There's 10 specials, and then there's five film discussions, so 117 plus, let's see, five, six more. Wow. Okay. So, yeah, we're, we're like into the 120s. 122 or 123 episodes. And I'm also proud to say, and I'd like to take this moment, if you've made it this far into our episode, to welcome aboard all the new subscribers. Uh, last time you and I spoke, Doctor, we had, I think we were celebrating 100 subscribers, which was pretty awesome uh, for our channel. And now we're at 164 subscribers. I Serious? Know. Yeah, it's pretty cool. So that's wow. a little channel update, a little Starfleet Boy uh, excitement there. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Now, the podcast does insane numbers that I'm not going to go over here, but I'm always exceedingly, uh, I'm impressed <laughs> whenever I tune into I've never this, listened to the podcast. To well, you don't, you, you know, you like to watch it on YouTube. That's why we have the options. We've got yeah. the, 
the the YouTube yeah. and we've got the the podcast. So it's great that I, I'm able to uh, provide those options. That we are able to provide those options rather, and so we'll continue to do so as long as we can. Uh, and on that note, <laughs> I can't help it, Doctor. I have to give this episode a nine. <laughs> what? Yes, it gets a nine. It's a like two nine. Nine. It's you know maybe it's because okay. David Ogden a nine. So. <laughs> yes. God, nine. even when I'm generous, you're completely wrong. <laughs> I can't believe this. A nine? Are you fucking insane? A nine? Come on, that yeah. is crazy. <laughs> so that is that your... is for like the best. You, you're, you're like you're ranking this right below best of both worlds. But Seriously. it's not best of both worlds. Right? You're Which ranking a- it right below it because best of both worlds is a ten. <laughs> it's in tier two. What can I say? It's in the it's no, in no, the no, 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 no. Tier two is like where I am at seven <laughs> and eight. Tier one is nine but and ten. I mean, what the it could hell be is wrong with you? How- <laughs> I'm not going to let you do this. You cannot give it a nine. Doctor, and I like and respect this episode, think. but I cannot let you <laughs> give this a nine. I can't go lower. I've given my rating. Do you want me to justify it? Shall I go on further with my notes here that I haven't gotten into? I'm, 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 I'm just shocked. I really am. I'm just, I don't know. I don't even know what to say anymore. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think Gary would have given this episode had he been on on here? I don't even think he would have given it a nine. <laughs> I think he would have given it a ten. I really think Gary. No, would have I think he would Gary have been Eel. rational and reasonable like I am, and say it's a very good example of Star Trek. It's an episode <laughs> that I would gladly show someone who's never seen it, but it's not something I would seek out. Like I do uh, a best of both worlds, or or the episode with the little worm things and people, or or anything like that. I mean, there was no action in this episode. The rest of the crew <laughs> barely does anything. I mean, you're basically endorsing <laughs> Loxana Troy the series is what you're doing. You're <laughs> no, not even I'm endorsing not. Next Generation. Be- you're, that- you're you're this is this is ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> I Which, can't believe you're giving it a nine. <clears throat> a Lux Sanitary series, series would have been amazing. It would have been Golden Girls in Space. Like her her and her friend, her and her friends on Beta Zan, Beta Z, Beta Zoid, or Beta Zad, Beta Rad. Um, <clears throat> no, but I, I I stand by my nine. And for the reasons that I stated in already, which is I really like the sciencey stuff in this episode. I really enjoyed the philosophical points in this episode. It, it got me super uh, engaged, uh, especially in my advanced age of 40, 40 years that, I, that I'm fastly, quickly approaching. Uh, you know, as far as the civilization goes, uh, I only have 20 more years to do do my life's work, you know, Dr. Lee. We have to finish Starfleet Boy in 20 years, Doctor. Can we do it? Is that possible? Like, do you know? Like, okay, I'm, I'm going to... We're going to have to revisit this writing <laughs> uh, years after your 40th 
birthday because you're obviously you're feeling some kind of I am feeling a emotional <laughs> like, thing here with you turning forty. I'm having what the I'm probably having what 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 uh, what is known in some circles as as a sirimba sirimba. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> That's I, what you're having actually right now. But <laughs> I can't believe you gave this a nine. Maybe what was the last it. nine you gave? I don't know. I don't have a date. Did you give yet, Cupid <laughs> a nine? No, I did not give Cupid a nine. That's a very funny episode. It's a damn entertaining <laughs> episode. I seek that episode out. I, you, I can't believe you gave that a nine. I'm like, how many nines has he given? Hey, you gave it a seven. That's I thought you were gonna give it a four. Like your trend. With I'm being I'm being honest, sir. I am not letting. I'm. But it's clear. Okay, doctor. If you'll govern, if you must really learn to govern your passions, doctor, because they're gonna be your undoing. If you, you're recall, the one giving nines. <laughs> if you take a minute to recall, doctor, as we if we when we have a database for you, I'll be able to confirm this. But in general, your ratings are far more conservative than my ratings. Ratings are in general. I give honest so, ratings, okay? I'm giving you and the most honest rating that I could. My rating. You just want to beat my seven. You were going <laughs> to give it a seven, but you thought I was going to give it a four. So now you're going to up mine <laughs> you by the factor of two. You. And you give it a nine. I asked you to let. I asked you if you wanted me to go first, and you chose not to. I Next should time have you should let always, you go first. <laughs> I should have let, let you go, go first, and it would have been the seven, <laughs> and then we would have been we would have been united for once. But no, you have to up mine by a factor of two. And this is this is a disgrace. A disgrace. I can't handle always- this. Do I? I always <laughs> multiply my repair ex- yes, estimates. Yes, you always multiply your repair <laughs> estimates by a factor of two. Uh, I can't believe this. This is unheard of. <laughs> wow, I didn't think a that there nine. would be so much controversy at the end of this episode. But I, but uh, but again, this episode went did not go the way that I wanted to, that I thought it would. So a nine. <laughs> You were right about that. I have a serious question to ask you. Uh, to, since oh, by the way, we're doing something different. Uh, this episode is immediately going to get published on the podcast, so it's actually relevant to the. So to the, the internet times. will break immediately when they find <laughs> when out the, the, the game is at nine. It, it's more like the equivalent of someone stepping on a twig in the middle of the Amazon is what will happen to the internet. Okay. But, sure. but that's a great analogy. <laughs> but that's but but it will happen. But I will be there to hear it, so it makes a noise. So uh, anyway, so what's happening? We're we're upload. We're live now. We're online right now. So what I wanted to say is, uh, there's a couple things. Uh, you know, we rarely go off topic this far on Starfleet Boy, but I do want to endorse. Uh, I want to say to my audience. And I'd be curious to hear what you think of it. And I'm also curious to, to hear what you think of it. Is uh, I really enjoyed, I just finished it, uh, Lost in Space, the new Netflix series. And uh, the reason I bring it up is because the whole time I was watching it, yes, there's, there are definitely flaws in the writing and the story. And like sometimes it can get a little, you know... Uh, off, uh, you know, off on the deep end there, or whatever. But overall, I think the show is a success, and I just, 
you know, I was starting to change my mind about Star Trek Discovery and the visuals, and I was just starting to accept the Klingons, and I was just starting to, like, kind of get, like, you know, I was just starting to be like, you know what? It's time, <laughs> it's, it's time to just put the gauntlet down, forget about all this these things you're attached to and like give give discovery on my heart right i was just about to do that and then lost in space comes along and the production value is in- insanely amazing it's insanely great as my uh hero steve jobs one of my heroes like to say it was insanely great and 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 um you know yes the ship doesn't look anything like the original uh jupiter 2 Actually, no, it looks a lot like the original Jupiter 2, but it's in the same vein. It looks a little more like the Millennium Falcon, but uh, the science in the show is great. The effects are bright in a way that doesn't look, you know, to, that. but the show is still moody and dark, if that makes any sense. And I think this is a flaw with Star Trek Discovery is they've taken this idea of darkness to, like, the nth degree, and I'd love to see... Uh, uh, Star Trek CBS if any anyone affiliated with Star Trek CBS is listening to this I would just you know just a little ran, random you know twig in the Amazon advice over here uh, hire some of the folks on the production crew especially the visual effects crew of Lost in Space and bring them into Star Trek because I have a feeling that you'll be very pleased with the outcomes and the uh, reception from the fans if you do that so there that's my little tidbit <laughs> my star <laughs> my, my advice to Star Trek Discovery moment. <laughs> Any thoughts on that, Doctor? <laughs> well, um, well, I didn't finish the series. I watched the first episode. And I enjoyed the first episode. I, I, well, we, we spoke earlier in the week. Uh, I didn't know you were, you'd watched it when you were growing up, Lost in Space. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I did. I did not. I did. Um, I, did, I can't say like I was a f- like I I can't say I was like a diehard fan or whatever. But I really enjoyed it. I think my sister. I'd have to ask her, but she was really little. But we were just like I remember sitting in front of the TV and watching it with her uh, when we were really little kids. It was where on, did you it watch was, it? It was on TV at the babysitters. Like <laughs> my baby. Did they have cable? They had. Um, this is this is information that I don't think I cared about at that age, but <laughs> some so, but I was I we had babysitters growing up because my my poor parents had to work full time and uh-huh. they left it up to my this particular babysitter, uh, left it up to me to decide what what TV to we watch. would watch. So I would always ask for science fiction. So we watched Buck Rogers when we were kids, and we watched Star Wars, and we watched uh, Lost in Space. So she just found these shows for us. But Lost so in Space... So they were tapes? No, they were on TV. Some, they were, I, and if I'm not mistaken, it was syndicated, the happy word that we're now at, were syndicated. Uh, they were syndicated still. So I think they might have been on the major networks like ABC or even perhaps... Um, uh, ABC or even perhaps uh, NBC or one of the. Hmm. It could have even been Channel Thirty Three. Do you remember well, what was that? See that, uh, that that's why yeah. I'm I'm puzzled and I'm intrigued because I mean you know, I mean you and I grew up in the same city, so you but know you we had so much similar... more Doctor Who than I did. See, I wasn't exposed to as much Doctor Who as you were, and remember, right? But I never had the opportunity to watch Lost in Space. Is what I was going to say. Is oh. the opportunity was never there because it was never on TV. I no, never I saw it, it because I never I never found a channel that had Lost in Space on TV. Now I know it was on cable, and I know you had access to cable long before I did. 
So I was wondering if maybe you saw it. We on did because one of our we saw so the way we had access one of our babysitters growing up had cable because I know this right. because we used to watch HBO. And it got it, <clears throat> it, it caught a second wind on cable. I don't know if you know that. On early cable. Oh, then that's probably that could have been how we watched it. But I was too young to know how the signal came to the television, if that makes any sense to you. No, I know. I know, I know what you're saying. <laughs> I was like, I can't tell you where it came from, but it was on the it was on the boob tube when I was growing up. See, I, I never watched up. it, and that's why I was surprised when you said that you that you saw it when you were really young. Yeah, I, we like, used to, oh, okay, I used to maybe. crack up. Dr. Smith was the funniest thing in the world. He was such a hilarious character. And, uh, you know, I would say that he's the archetype for characters like uh, Baltar on... Uh, he's like the origin story. If you, it's a very similar type of character. I don't know. You know, the saboteur turned friend uh, <laughs> type of character. But I remember Dr. Smith. Uh, I do remember, of course, uh, uh, Will Robinson, you know, because that's how you relate Danger, to the show. Will is, Robinson. Danger. Yeah, and I remember yeah. the robot, the original robot. Yeah. And if I'm not mistaken... Uh, as a child, I had a little toy version of the robot that somehow um, my babysitter or my parents had gotten for me. But I, those are, those are all things lost in memory now. <laughs> See, that, that's funny because uh, yeah, I I know. Well, I have a lost in I have a, a robot from Lost in Space toy as well. But I got it much later in the nineties. I uh, my knowledge of Lost in Space didn't really start till that. 90s movie, the one with Gary Oldman as Dr. Smith, and I love that William movie. Hurt. I saw that. Yeah, it, I I remember Hurt. enjoying that film a lot, and also uh, I enjoyed it too. What's his name? What's his name from Friends is in that too. Uh, right, uh, right. Joey, Joey, and he plays this character that's pretty funny in the new. They've kind of cast a similar type of. Uh, of uh, personality, or they've kind of decided the character is a similar type of personality. I should say. Uh, is there that character for, in the for new Don show? Because I haven't seen him yet. Don West. Who's What's Tom that? West in the new show? Don West. Oh, you haven't seen him yet. Um, oh, he's in the second episode. T- yeah, I think so. Let's look it up online. So you're done with the whole series. <laughs> the whole series. Wow. It and it ends in a really cool way. I don't want to. It's too soon for spoilers, I guess, but. Uh, I don't want to give it away, but I, I would say that, like, I'd be curious if any of you audience are also enjoying the show or not enjoying it. Uh, you can let us know in the comments in our YouTube down here below. Uh, I know it's a little weird to talk about Lost in Space on a Star Trek thing, but <laughs> now I know how Gary felt about the Orville. Because I, I didn't feel it for the Orville. I'm not going to, like, talk about the Orville on Starfleet Boy unless I have to. But I wouldn't mind having a little side discussion about Lost in Space as you get further along there, Doctor. Uh, we can maybe do some lost in space updates in our future uh, in our future discussions. But just to answer your question, um, the actor who's playing Don is Ignacio Sericio. No idea. And, I don't know who he is. And he is known for uh, Bones. Oh no, Nearly Departed. Bones, the final season. Um, the Wedding Singer, The Young and the Restless, so soap opera. Um, American Dad, Zoe Ever After, no, shows that I've never seen, unfortunately. The Young and the Restless. So he's a, he's a, an alumni from the it looks like the um, soap opera stage. 
<clears throat> and then, of course, I can't say we can't talk too much about Lost in Space. We're already spending too much time on it than we're supposed to, uh, due to the syndication regulations of 1972-74. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to start a whole new thing with syndication regulations, Doctor. <laughs> so, oh boy! But I, I will say, Park Parker Posey is delightful as Doctor Smith, and uh, and as you pointed out, uh, the original Re- Will Robinson in the first episode plays plays the real Dr. Smith um, <clears throat> and he might not be dead which is interesting oh. too <laughs> that's all I'll say about that wow that would be cool I mean I don't know I'm just guessing the way TV that works cool. you know it would be cool <laughs> bring Bill Mummy back why was Bill Mummy never on Next Generation are you sure yeah uh, pretty sure know. that's it then Star Trek Discovery has a chance to. Uh, Do we have any? Lo- it's, I don't know. I don't think there are any Lost in Space actors, space actors on Star Trek. By the way, Bill Mummy, as you pointed out to me the other day, is a really cool guy, just in general. He is. He was on Babylon Five. Yes, he was. Yes, that I know. He was on Babylon 5. He was also on the Animaniacs, one one episode of the Animaniacs, it looks like. On Superboy, Twilight mm. Zone episodes, Buzz Lightyear of Star Command. I don't even know what that is. But no, no Star Trek, uh, no Star Trek uh, credits here on his... Uh, no, none at all. On his thing here. Nope. Oh, well. That's an interesting question. And that ties it all back in. And I guess this is the point where we say goodbye. <laughs> Doctor, it's been a real pleasure uh, having you on the show. Um, and, uh, you know, I hope we have you on uh, more episodes in the future. Uh, it is a privilege, though, whenever we can have you. I know your life has been very busy, um, but we are pleased. So Live long and prosper. I have been and ever shall be. Your friend. <laughs> Good night, everybody. Good night.